Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that talks exclusively about Chelsea SC women. On the show this week, as there's no games, we're going to host a special tribute to our dear leader, Emma Hayes. And joining me tonight, as ever, is my wonderful co-host, Jane. Jane, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you, Dean. Looking forward to talking about Emma Hayes this week. Yeah, um, we're not alone this week by... um, by our standards, you know, hundreds of guests. In reality, it's just four. Um, let's go around the room and introduce who's on the show this week. Um, I'll start with you, Kate. How are you, Kate? Pretty good. Yourself? Yeah, very well, thanks. Uh, where are you joining us from tonight, Kate? I'm joining you from California today. California. <laughs> Not the only international. Um, also joining us is David. David, how are you today? We hit the unmute, David. Yeah, okay, good evening. Um, I'm David, basically, and I'm joining from Nigeria. Looking forward to talking about MIAs this evening. Yeah, all over the world. Probably less far afield is Rob, who joined us last week. Rob, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Thank you very much again for having me last week and looking forward to sort of talking more about our day later. Yeah, so good we have to get you back straight away, Rob. That's that's what it's all about. What can I say? Also joining this um, Chelsea fancast regular and Instagram supremo, Dane Whittle. Uh, Dane, how are you today? You need to unmute as well, Dane. Should be on the screen. The wonders of technology. Sorry, yeah, sorry, my uh, earpods was playing up, so I had to uh, switch and put these boxy things back on. But yeah, no, good evening. How are you? You're right. Yeah, very well. Excited for this. And just joined um, is Carol. Carol, if you can unmute, how are you? It's going swimmingly so far. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Carol, how Hello. Are you? Yeah, fine, thanks. Sonia, actually. I don't know why it comes up as Carol. There you go. See, it's because there's no image, so we can't see who it is. Um, let's start then. Um, we'll do part one. We're going to do sort of on the field Chelsea's achievements under Emma. And then part two, we're going to look at Emma the person and what she brings to the club. Um, so I'm going to open the questions up really to the field. So who wants to jump in on you know, the start of Emma, the early years for 2012 to 2014 before the success really um, kicked off? I mean, I, I suppose I can probably sort of say a little bit on this as this is around the time I sort of really came into um, following sort of Chelsea Women. Again, I sort of covered that story sort of last week. But I think there was always a bit of feeling when Emma came in, obviously there'd been a little bit of turbulence with, the role because sort of um, Casey Stoney ended up sort of uh, leaving the post and then Matt Beard came in and obviously I think you'd say he did okay but then ended up obviously going to Liverpool which at the time you know looked like a massive step up I mean time told in the longer term but I think with what I really remember of Emma in the early days is there was suddenly just a feel and a bit of a sort of feeling of a change around the squad and it started to happen, they started to talk in more sort of serious terms and actually view themselves as, you know, rather than being seen as a bit of, you know, a sideshow and a bit uh, sort of in quite condescending terms, sort of being more of a, you know, virtue signaling sort of thing, they started to actually be viewed as a real genuine threat. Um, and I think, you know, the squad overhaul that I think that you had in 2014 and sort of into 2015, when you look at people, you know, like Lindahl and Millie Bright coming in who, well, Millie Bright is now arguably still the best centre-back, one of the best centre-backs in WSL. And Hedwig Lindahl is still arguably the best keeper in the world. Like, it just shows that level of ambition and that was something we never really had before. Yeah, talking of sort of that ambition and signing players, Dane, two signings from Arsenal where sort of Emma Hayes obviously worked before she joined Chelsea in 2014. You know, Katie Chapman and, and Julie Flaherty. How big was that, do you think, in transforming the success of this team? Yeah, yeah, really big. Uh, Kate Chapman's probably one of my most favourite midfielders. I know I know a lot of Emma Hayes from her American days, from my background. You know, I 
watching the women's game over there, I, I just obviously always picked up on things, England coaches, English players over there. So I knew that she had uh, Katie Chapman with her, I think in the Chicago Red Stars, uh, when she was the manager, like say 12, 14 years ago, she even had Karen Carney with her, Kate Chapman, Asante was just left recently, didn't she? Uh, Anita Asante. Uh, she even had uh, Megan Rapino there as well. Uh, but obviously, stepping forward, uh, she uh, they're two big signings, and uh, you see a lot of Sophie Ingle in Kate Chapman. And Kate Chapman was was a leader, a leader on the field, a leader off the field. One of those sort of players that you know that. Uh, Emma Emma needs in her team, you know, mirrors her mirrors her vision, how she wants to play and how she wants her, her team to be. So yeah, massive signing. Yeah, Kate, I suppose if I'm to you now, um, sort of any memories of Emma in America? I suppose what um, we were mentioning that. Yeah, I mean that's that's that was my first introduction to her was when she was coaching the Chicago Red Stars, um, and it was huge. Is kind of what led me to really become a Chelsea fan. Cause back then, I watched some Premier League and stuff like that, but once she came over and uh, started coaching uh, really just kind of dragged me into it so um, I, I think I've always kind of just noticed she seemed to always be really good as a tactician um, you know could take a team and make it even better because she was harshly fired wasn't she Katie mm -hmm. yeah because in those days they got rid of 18 players brought in 18 players and she had to yep. try and bring them all together <laughs> yep that's correct I, I think I think they lost Carly Lloyd uh was a big player and uh yeah, and she had to try and integrate them, and I think she 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 did openly say I think it was you know it was harsh, but she 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 is well respected in in the states, and uh, had a couple of other jobs afterwards, you know, which is like interim technical advisor and things like that. But oh, it'd be interesting if she she looks to go over there in the future. Yeah, Jade, I'll let you um, join in the conversation now. So, twenty fifteen, you know, league and, and cup double. Anything from from that era that um, stuck with you? Um, that was the sort of year, the 2016 Cup final was the year I started following the team. And I think just, I can't remember much from when I started following, but just the like determination of Emma ever since, like she's just like nonstop. She like, she just doesn't give up like no matter what. Yeah, Sonia, I'll let you um, jump in as well. Do you have memories from that sort of time period following the team? I'm thinking back to Staines when um, when I first came into watching the games. And um, <laughs> besides Chapman just being the backbone of the club the entire time, um, I was just amazed by, by Fran Kirby and, and, and what she brought to the club. And I thought, you know, just fantastic signings. I, I just thought it was amazing. How she, how she persuades all these players to come to Chelsea. Yeah, I suppose it's great they've had the backing of the, the financial side of it as well. David, in Nigeria, when did you become aware of the women's team and what years did they sort of take over there? Um, yeah, same like um, Jane, similar to Jane. I also started following the female team. Or, so in, that was 2015, during the league win and FA Cup double. That was when I actually had interest in the female team, and since then, I just, I just like fell in love with them. Their style of play, their determination to win trophies, the big names Emma is bringing into the team, and the success she has achieved over the years. Everyone's putting me to shame tonight with their length of service. Um, so obviously, the first trophies, the, the league and the FA Cup, um, and then the FA Cup final. Oh, which one? 2015, sorry. Uh, that was the one I went to. The, it was in 2016, like the 2015-16. You threw me, it was 16, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was bad notes. Any um, memories of the day you want to share? It was a good day. The score was, wasn't the best. Like, the result wasn't good. But I think, I think where it was my first time going to Wembley as well, it was just more... It was more memorable when I'm going to remember it, no matter what the result was. Yeah, so moving on, the following season from winning the league, we lost the league to Manchester City by five points. And you see the how, how she treats, you know, not being successful 
Um, 2017 signing you know, Backman, Mielder, Cuthbert and Crystal Dunn uh, and going on to you know win the league again. Who wants to talk about that sort of, those introductions of those players and how they push the team forward even more? I don't mind talking about Crystal. No doubt Kate can, can add a little bit more as well. But that's when I started really taking notice when, you know, we signed Crystal Dunn, again, due to the background of mine. Uh, and I was very excited by her. Uh, she was a good little player. It's a because she only lasted a season. And, you know, it's like, yeah, out, it's like, out. It's like out of sight, out of mind with uh, the US women's team. If you're not playing close, then... But she wasn't getting recognised and that put pressure on her and she had to make the decision to move back to America, which she didn't want to do, but she wanted to play for naturally for her country. Uh, but yeah, so I started watching again in that in that January when she was there. And as you said, they signed Marin, who, who has become a favourite of mine. And uh, it was just a really impressive season. Yeah, Kate, you joined in on, um, on Crystal Dunn. How big was that um, union in the States? Uh, no, I pretty much agree. Um, it was one of those, and I think 2015 was when Frank Kirby got signed as well, was it not? If I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's kind of where it took off for me, is just like her, the selection of what she was able to get on in, in regards to um, the players was phenomenal. And it was one of those things where it's like, I think that for me, that's where it really did start to click that it doesn't matter where she goes, she's going to be able to attract talent and, you know, basically put in what needs to happen um, and make it work for wins. Yeah, well, I suppose you want to join in on, on Marin. Yeah, I mean, obviously the fullback alarm is uh, is going off again. Um, I think it, just in a more general sort of point of view, you look at those names, um, even though they weren't necessarily with us all the longest period of time, and I think you say throughout all of them as transfers, it's very hard to look at names and think, yeah, you know, that one really didn't work out at all. Like all of them play some part in some level of success at the club, certainly in the last five years. Um you may, I mean, if anyone wants to try and sort of throw names out on the floor that are going to break my theory, please, you know, feel free. I don't mind being embarrassed. But it's, uh, you know, I can't think of many of them where you would look at it and say, actually, you know, that was a bad signing. I mean, as you sort of said with Crystal Dunn, it's the, the quality was there and the quality was there in the performance. It was issues with, you know, the national selection. With Ramona Backman, she was a very, very good player. And I think perhaps more of a victim of the fact that there was rotation and increased competition and some players don't, Sort of like that as much as we know with Erin Cuthbert, she's still, you know, a massive part of the squad, as is Mary Miela. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, that talent radar and that idea. I don't think there's any player in the women's game who, if Emma Hayes rang up and said, do you want to come and play under me? They'd say no, if they, you know, had a choice one-on-one. -on -one. I think she's got that, that star power and that quality, unlike anyone else. Yeah, Jane, um, any names to disprove Rob's theory? Or we're going to say he's right on this one. No, I think he's right. Out of Emma's, like, all all the players Emma has signed, not a single one hasn't made an impact to the team. They've all come to the team with different things and they've, brought, they've all brought good things to the team. Like, we've had no... I wouldn't say we've had any negative players come to the team. Yeah. Sonia, I suppose it's, for me, though, Chelsea having the women's team and backing them, you know, you teams like Liverpool where their women's team can't even train at the same facilities. You know, that's very important to Emma's backing. And you know, do you think she's the major part of them actually deciding to back them, having a top manager in place? Definitely. Um, I, I was just thinking today, I, I, I'm always excited about seeing um, players who used to play for Chelsea. And so I'm always catching up with games. So today I had to watch the Portugal game, obviously because of Aaron. But I love Anna Borges. I think she was one of our fantastic players. And it was a shame that she missed Portugal so much and had to go back to Portugal because I think, you know, she's, she's excelled. She's even better than she was when she played for us. She's amazing. Yeah. David, we mentioned lots of great sliders. You know, also, you know, recently Sam Kerr and Penilla Harder. Who's been your favourite signing that we've, that we've made over the years? And personally, my favorite signing should be Guru Writing over the years. 2019-20 season, when she came, she proved very, she made many impacts into this team, numerous assists, numerous goals. So just personally, I feel Guru Writing has been a major 
massive impact to the signing and to us even progressing forward as a team. She's still young, 26 years, so she still has age on her side. And there's still lots more to come from her. Even with reduced playing time, she's still racking in the assists. She's still scoring the goals when we need them. Yeah, um, we've had some additions to the call, which is great. Uh, well, that mean we're starting again? Yeah, everyone, remember what we said. <laughs> we'll just go back and repeat everything again. No, no, no. Um, we'll come to a previous guest we've had on the show, uh, Kerry. Kerry, how are you doing? Welcome to the, the Emma Hayes podcast. Hi there, sorry, that's a bit late. That's right, no, no um, detentions in this class. Um, we were just discussing the signings that Emma's made, you know, since she joined in 2012. Um, David was mentioning Guru Wrighton as his favourite. Who's your sort of favourite signing and perhaps most important signing? I would probably say Jay, just from, it was unusual for us to sign such a world-class player, like back in I think it was 2014. And with all the trophies she's won, you sort of follow the journey with us. Yeah, so a good shout, I think, G, would be in many people's list. Um, also joining us, another guest we've had before. I think she's awake now. Um, Louise, Louise, how are you? Hi, I'm all right. How are you? <laughs> Very well. I'll ask you the same question as Kerry about your sort of favourite signing that Emma's made and perhaps the most important in your opinion. Signing. Mm. That's a, mm, it's a good one. Um, ah, Penilla, I think, in the grand scheme of things. But I think the one that's impressed me the most has got to be Charles, because I think oh, she's I, got yeah. massive potential. Um, so, yes, Charles for me. Yeah, I'll throw this question out. I think it's quite interesting to get people's opinions. Um, Sonia, I'll let you jump in now on your, your choice. Um, gosh, the more people start talking about different players, I think, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, um, I'm, I'm excited about Fleming also, I have to say, uh, watching her in, in the Canadian games of, of recently. She is so feisty and I love feisty players. Um, so her and Erin, I think, are just fantastic. Yeah, uh, Kate, how about you? Uh, can I choose two? Uh, I'd, probably just say, I'd probably say Kirby and I'd probably say Cuthbert. Um, but that's also because I, I really like both of those players. I don't, you know, Pernell Harder's amazing. They all are. I don't think there's a bad signing in there. <laughs> Dane, I bet you've got four choices, haven't you? Well, I, I, do I get two as well? Because you know what I'm like. I'm quite, I can't make a decision and pin my, uh, pin it on one. Uh, I've always personally liked the Millie Bright signing because that was quite a few years back and she is obviously you know quite a rock of a centre back you know she saw the potential Emma and she's gone from strength to strength and I think it's just mm -hmm. by far the best defender in, in, in the British game. Uh, obviously you can see why Kirby I think that signing of, of Kirby uh, sent out uh, you know shock shockwaves because that was a big signing uh, a massive signing transfer fee wise and she has repaid it and more because she's been fantastic she's one of the many world-class players we have in our team so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna add three actually because i've always liked marin milder so you have to ask for free before you have <laughs> uh rob how about you i mean again I, you know i'm lucky not to pick three i'll, I'll go for two <laughs> as well um i think for me one of them's got to be hedvig lindau because it was we had someone who was genuinely, you know, world-class and in their position were regarded as world-class. I think that's the first time we ever brought someone in who was sort of that. And I don't think they would have come without Emma sort of being there and also without the financial sort of backing and what they've gone on to do sort of subsequently, I think shows that there is the commitment to spending that money and make and spending it on players if they are you know the right players become available and then yeah the other one I've got to go for is Millie Bright I think yeah I think just with everything Millie Bright is the all-round sort of wonderful defender I nearly went for Magda Eriksson because she's also brilliant mm. but considering that Millie sort of came in effectively sort of I think for compensation um, fee from Don uh, from Doncaster over Bells and may even technically have been a free because I know obviously there were the issues off the field with them and just the quality that we brought in the can sort of continuity 
it's you know it's rare you get one very good centre back that is so so reliant. But having two of them is just you know sort of an absolute godsend, and that's why we win so much. Yeah, Jane, I think it's just us two left to to pick. We've almost had the whole squad picked by um, our wonderful guests. Um, who's your choice, favourite or most important? Um, I think my favourite signing would have to be, I'm going to say Guru. Just what she brought to the team in that first season she was with us and what she continues to bring to the team like, in every match. I think she has been really good. And she's only been here for a couple of seasons and she's just improving every year. Yeah, I think my favourite, I think I'd go with Fran because for someone like me that's only sort of followed the men's team, that made headlines and sort of got sort of interest in from people that don't follow the women's game into who they've this team signed and, and why that's so important. The most important signing for me is Magda because she's an extension of Emma on the football pitch and I think she'll prove to be that in the future once Emma but maybe one day steps down as, as Chelsea head coach and, and Interesting. is seemingly a, a candidate to replace her maybe um, more success came obviously last season we won the league on, on points per game but the, the trophy I want to talk about is the Conti Cup the one that was missing domestically mm. um, I know a few of you were there um, yeah. talk about that day that game yes we were there we were there. <laughs> it, it was surreal, wasn't it, really? It really was in the end because it was such a nail-biter. My gosh. Oh, it was emotional. It meant a lot to the players and I think it meant mm. a lot to the fans. Mm. Like It's something we've never taken home. It was a piece of silver that we didn't have and to beat Arsenal, to win it, was even better. And Beth's goal, just, yeah, I was emotional. Kerry, have you recovered from the final yet? Or still? <laughs> well, I just remember Louise just literally just launched on me when, when they scored. But yeah, just about. Jane, obviously you were there as well. I think I've seen your videos about 100 times. Um, obviously a, a better final for you to be at. What was your thoughts on, on being at a final that we've won? It was... It was... I, I can't even like describe how it was. I think I have to admit, I, I went to the game thinking we was going to lose. Really? I had I had I had confidence in the team, but I just thought it's Arsenal. Like this isn't going to end the way we want. Just that that was my initial like mm. thoughts of it. But then obviously when Beth's goal went in, I was like, it is ours. Like we have won. Yeah, and I think where it was, it was one of like the biggest games, obviously last year that we all got to as well. That's mm. made it more like surreal for us all because it was one of the last memories we had before, obviously coronavirus hit. Yeah, yeah. As, as I was speaking about completing the domestic set of trophies, Rob, the the one that's missing the Champions League. This squad is built to win it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'd be disappointed if, even though we've got a tough draw. Um, against Atletico, we couldn't get through that, and I'd be disappointed if we're not getting to the final four. We're taking on someone like a Wolfsburg or a Leon, and you know, getting the result and getting to the final. Um, I think it's very difficult because Leon have spent so long at the top of the game, but it feels like if there's time to topple them, this is the squad now to do it, and this is the manager to do it. Who here believes that we're good enough now to win win the Champions League? I do, but I don't think it's going to happen in the final, it's going to either happen in the quarter or the semi. Hmm. I, I think this is the squad too, as long as Fran stays fit. Um, mm. I think that the additions made into the squad and the depth that we've got to substitute as well means that we've got a really good chance uh, of winning. But I'm not, I, I don't want to say, yes, this is the season, but it's coming without a doubt. Yeah, Dane, you had your hand up there as well. I know. I was just agreeing with you. I, I believe that you know the squad is is good enough. Uh, if not this season, then next season. It would be, you know, selfishly as well for you know for for all you fans who go regularly as well. It'd be nice for you if it was next season, because uh, so you could be there to watch it. But sometimes in yeah. football, you can't be fussy. You know, you got to take it 
<laughs> when it's given to you and uh i think i think you, you bring in people like Pernell to win to win the uh you know the big trophies yeah. and uh you know we've won it all domestically so this is this 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 would be amazing to put on 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 her cv emma's cv and uh you know i i believe it's coming as well yeah we are running out of time for for part one um there was success this year although not a trophy when we beat the wsl record you know, 33 games unbeaten who wants to you know, briefly sum up that that spell and what that meant to the club and to emma first come first yeah. i'd give it to the journalist <laughs> <laughs> yeah dean go on what do you think <laughs> Well, it's it's not all about me, but I'll take it if you if you insist. You know, for me, it highlights you know Emma's desire and drive and, and passion to win, and how she instills that in her squad of players, and they're able to go over two years almost to the day without losing a league match of football. And I know the league isn't overly competitive. You know, there are teams that are you know, awful compared to to us, but. Yeah, there are big games, you know, Man City, Man United now, Arsenal. There are good teams, as we've seen, you know, the likes of Brighton and um, picking up points against, you know, top teams. But what it, what it shows is that players keep focused, they keep hunger and they keep their desire to win. You know, even when they're flying, they're, they're grounded and they know to work hard every game, every minute, because that's what Emma demands of, of her players and, that's the mark of her as a coach and the fact that she didn't even celebrate it as well just said it's not a trophy no let's let's move on um so for me i hope i've done a 33 game run justice in just under a minute but um there we are time is of the essence as they say um that's all we're going to have time for for part one um if you join us after the break we'll be talking about emma the person rather than emma's on the field achievements For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to Went to Mo Kings Meadow and the Emma Hayes special podcast. Uh, time for part two now where we're going to talk about Emma off the field, Emma the person, uh, Emma the coach. Um, starting with, I want to talk about Emma's personality because she comes across as someone that doesn't really know her that well apart from watching interviews. Very serious, very driven, very direct in her nature. If she's got something to say, she's going to say it to you. Um those of you that have met her, is she like that in person or is there a you know, friendly, jovial side to her that perhaps she doesn't show as much um, on camera? Oh, definitely. Any, um, any stories of, to share? Yeah, when we, um, we, were, we were in the FA uh, Cup and I think we were playing um, Charlton and they had a very small pitch. And so we were all on one side and um, <laughs> the players were literally right in front of us. And so we were chatting away with the players, now Beth and, and the others, and we're joking around. And she, all of a sudden she comes up and she goes, oh, aren't you supposed to be cheering now? As if she was, <laughs> she was demanding us to be uh, cheering them on. So she was making sure that we were doing our job too. <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> And she loves her chocolate, I've heard, as well. Yes, yes, she does. She's gone vegan, though. So some speciality shopping coming up when um, the games go back, Kerry. Yes, but I think she might still like the chocolate that we get her, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll keep that one secret. Um, Rob, I suppose you know, the driven aspect is what we see in from the team, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I... The, the, the example I put out, and I've said this to a couple of people, was when we were played against uh, West Ham a few weeks ago in the um, Conti Cup semi. We were 4-0 up going into the second half. 
That first 20 minutes of the half, I don't think I've ever heard Emma shout that much on the touchline. She was clearly so furious with the performance and the way they come out. And after the game, there was a brief mention to Penilla Harder for the hat-trick in that game and a brief mention to getting to the final. But the majority of the post-match comments were things we could have done better. Now, if the real criticism is what you're not doing when you're 4-0 up, A, that's a really good squad. But B, I think that's an incredible mentality for a coach. Uh, yeah, uh, as someone who loves the fact every player to leave everything on the pitch and for the coach to be able to, you know, see them leave everything on the pitch, to know they're not doing that at four and a half and to be brave enough to come out and, you know, call them out for it and say what they could have done better. That's the real magnitude of a person as well as, you know, a coach. Yeah, Dane, the point that Rob made there about hearing Emma, I suppose that's one of the small upsides of not having supporters in the stadium is that um, mm. hear what's going on um, because there's no piped crowd noise for the women's games. Um, have you enjoyed listening to um, masterclasses on, on the bench? I, I really enjoyed it the other night. Uh, uh, sorry, a couple of nights and weeks ago when we beat Arsenal, she was very vocal on the sidelines. I don't know her relationship with the Arsenal manager, but it always seems a little bit frosty. You can always hear them like, you know, making comments and then the other one making making another comment and, and like just, just not directly talking, but you know, when you're throwing comments out there. Uh, yeah, I enjoy hearing her, you know, she, she's very outspoken, but she's inspiring, you know, she's a confident, ambitious woman, you know, she's got amazing character. I know it's all cliche, but it's the sort of traits you need to be a successful manager in, in or a successful in, in everyday life. Uh, she's, She's a proud woman who's, who's extremely proud of the women's game. You know, she, she, she's an inspiration. And hope she realises, you know, how many people she does inspire. It isn't just your everyday fan. It could be, you know, anyday people who just check in on the women's game every now and again. Yeah, Louise, did you want to jump in? Jump in there? Uh, I just had a, a little story Kerry will remember and Jane will too. But um, when we went to France for pre-season for the French Cup, um, we had the very lovely opportunity after a bit of cheekiness from Wendy, Jane's mum, to actually get on the team coach. And it was Kerry's <laughs> birthday. And um, the whole team sung happy birthday to Kerry on, on the coach. And so, yes, we were very lucky to ride the coach back to the hotel with the players. But the, the thing that Emma was more interested in was us teaching her the players' songs. And then... Um, <laughs> wanted us to sing them on the coach um, and she was joining in and really enjoying it and sort of laughing about the fact that you know she didn't know all the words and wanted to know the words and to me that just shows like the little things are important and it made me love her even more because she's just the girl next door even though she's such a class manager but she really is you know, someone you could just have a, a normal conversation with, but yeah, exceptionally down to earth. I think that was the best birthday ever, Kerry. Yeah, and it was my first year as well, so it's one not to forget. Yeah, so the coach trip, I suppose, I mean, you would never get that in men's football, um, even to be able to ask to get on the coach, let alone say yes. Um, did, Emma make a point of coming and sitting with the supporters and you know making sure the players were, were interacting as well. Yeah, we were at the front with Emma, and then I think someone went at the back with the players. Just she literally took all the staff members off the coach, throw them into the, this fan, and was like, "You're going in there. The fans are coming <laughs> on the coach." She just like <laughs> it was brilliant. Like I say, it was so unexpected when Wendy cheekily asked if we could get on the coach because we've all we all had to get the you know tram bus to to the ground, which was miles away. And then she was like, "Yeah," and just as Kerry said, chuck the stuff off and put us on the bus. Um, and it was just the best, like you know, twenty minutes ever. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> yeah, an amazing story, really. Um, I suppose. Everyone would love to be in France um, with Wendy getting things done as she does. Um, one side of her personality, and this come out with um, when Drew Spence um, reached 200 appearances, um, the conversation she had where sort of locked her in the room and wouldn't let her out until she listened to her. Yeah. Uh, made yeah. Her sort of really settle down. The other side to that is her relationship with Frank Kirby, where we've spoken about that, Jane, where you almost think that 
you know, Emma's a real mother figure to her and the way she guides her, it, you know, it's impressive that she can, she knows how to handle different personalities and she can showcase, you know, almost a harshness and then a softness within the same squad. Definitely think she is, like her relationship with Fran, she is like, um, I think she is like a mother figure. And I think to most, many players, she's like a mother figure to all of them. Like I think like you see it more with her relationship between her and Fran, but I think that's just where, where Fran's been through a lot over the last years. She's just always been there to support Fran no matter what. Yeah, David, I'll bring you back back in. Um, sort of, what's your thoughts on Emma's sort of the way she can handle those personalities and those talents in the squad to keep everyone happy? Um, yeah, um, personally, I feel Emma is actually doing the needful in keeping everyone happy in the squad, and that's rotation of players. She's given everyone chance to prove themselves, and so far, everyone has been taking the chance to also prove themselves. With the abundance of talent in our squad, especially our attacking line, you know, at times you'll be like, wow, Gro is on the bench, Bet is on the bench, Sam Kerr is on the bench. <laughs> and these are starters in other teams. And you'll be like, wow, how will these players get playing time? But then bang, there was a particular match. She, there was a, I think it was January when she rested front for about three important matches, Man City and Stone Villa. And I think one of that match, giving another play, player the chance to also like prove herself in the team. And I feel she's doing the needful rotation, giving every player the chance to prove his or herself. And that's the need for, and she's doing it all. And that's why she can keep a whole team with such abundance of talent happy. And they're happy to be in the team. And anytime they are being called upon to deliver, and they're always delivering for her. So I feel she's doing the need for herself, both on the pitch and off the pitch, on the trading ground, things with the fans we cannot see, what happens on the training ground. She's actually doing the job well. Yeah, I suppose having players like you know Guro, Erin, uh, um, Neem, Jesse Fleming—they're not playing every week, but they're still happy to be part of the squad. And, and when they're called upon, they sort of do a fantastic job. Um, Kate, we can't see you, but we hope we're still there. So I'm going to ask you the next question. Um, when we beat the record for WSL games, Emma spoke about having good humans in her squad. Uh, we saw that recently, didn't we, with uh, Magda and Padilla? And if Kate's not there, yeah, she is. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think part of the reason why the team and or just her leadership is so good is, I mean, if you watch it, you see all of the players sit there and cheer each other on, even if it means they're not on the pitch, you know. And then with the, uh, I know on uh, for the Valentine's Day, the two, uh, Erickson and um, Pinnell went on and, you know, answered a lot of things. And it was, you know, really touching that you have sports athletes that realize they're, you know, they're role models and they can do better, they, you know, better things for people and, you know, kind of show them that there is a bit of humanity to all of this too. It's not about just being a sports star. It's about being, you know, someone that you can look up to and that, you know, sets good examples. And I think, not only is Emma one of those people, but I think, you know, in some of her choices for the players, that's also what she looks for. You know, she's not just looking for someone who's good at playing a sport. She's looking for someone who's just a good person overall. And I think that's kind of what brings the team together and why they are so successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quick pause because we're going to lose Rob, unfortunately. Uh, Rob, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's been a, been a pleasure talking to you again for, for a brief while. Yeah, no, thank you very much. And yeah, sorry, I can't stay for longer. Yeah, thank you very much, Rob. Cheers, um, thank you. Bye. Yeah, carrying on the conversation about good humans, is there any other personal stories with other players that have highlighted their their goodness that you have people want to share? Oh, there's quite a few. I mean, you've got to you've got to look at our team, uh, mm-hmm. Chelsea particularly. The players, they a lot of them do a lot of charity work. Um, you know, I've got to do a shout out for Millie. Um, mm. Obviously, she does um, Daily Brightness with Rachel Daly. And on Friday, they're releasing a single with uh, uh, Ashley Woolbridge um, that the proceeds will go to the mental health charity, um, Drop the Label. And, you know, it's a ja- dance track. It's it's something, you know, mental health-wise, close to her heart. And, and like I say... You know, it's it's a big thing to do, and like I say, 
dropping a dance track for a football player is probably not the the first thing we think of, but you know, it's for a good cause. But a lot of them do a lot for their local charities. You know, I am bigging up Millie here. You know, she does with the local schools and things, you know, in Kilmarsh in our local area. But a lot of the others do work in the you know in the local area too. You know, Hannah's parts of part is part of lots of things. Drew does stuff too. And you know, we've always already spoke about you know Penilla and Magda and them really opening the 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 boundaries by opening their DMs for people to talk about you know how they feel about you know coming out you know or just the process of uh, how they feel about you know being gay or coming out to their families or just struggling with their mental health so that you know is really massive um, but yes yeah, so many of them do such good you know good things in the local community and for charity. Yeah, anybody else with any sort of stories they'd like to share like those? Well, I think I think um, what ironically this has the COVID has done is is that we've we've been able to get more into their personalities because they've they've been online more. Let's face it, and um, I think when I first started watching Chelsea, they were going to hospitals, you know, on off-season visits, which I thought was fantastic. But when you compare it to this year, um, it, it's quadrupled in 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 their their charities and and awareness of mental health and LGBTQ and everything else. So I think um, if we're going to take a positive out of this break for supporters um the players have just stepped right in to to that position which i think is fantastic yeah and emma's probably a big part of that to be honest with you yeah what i really feel about this team is you know a lot of the men's teams get criticized for you know turning a blind eye to big issues but you know this women's team are really making sure that the football club as a whole are always on the front foot and standing up to, to modern issues and really keeping the club in the right in the right limelight, really, because of the players and the, and the leadership of Emma. Did you want to jump in there, Dave? Yeah, I, it's, you know, it's it's really nice and warming to hear. Obviously, the girls obviously has, has met the players, met the manager, and their personalities are coming across so encouraging and so well. And it just, it, you know, recently Emma said she's rejected signing top top players once she's met them because they just she knew they wouldn't fit into her system and they'd rock the boat and it just goes to show how much she's made a team full of team full of women's women but a team full of winners but just just people and good humans and and personalities and they've all molded well together and she would not she would not rock that boat by signing although we've probably got the number one in the world in Penel at the moment, she would not walk the boat by signing someone else who, who, who is massively, mm. ma massively big in the game if, if she doesn't like their personality or she thinks mm. she might fit in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to lose Kate now as well, I'm afraid. Um, if she's still there, she'll be able to say goodbye to us all. Um, thank you for joining, Kate. Pleasure talking to you. Bye, Kate. Bye, Kate. Uh, Take care. Bye. 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 I think she's gone. Okay, yeah. Um, the next thing on the list I had that's gone is now back is the recent story of ASU Wimbledon targeting Emma Hayes to be their first <laughs> team manager. <laughs> the first question that's probably those of you that have met her and know her a bit more know is, you know, is it even a target for Emma to become a coach in the men's? side of football. Who's going first? <laughs> um, I, I, if you listen um, and read what she said in response to it, she was more concerned that, um, that well, not concerned, but she implied that actually it would be a step down. <laughs> from where she currently was and almost that she was offended a little bit by them implying that, you know, being manager of Chelsea women and, and all that she achieved wasn't good enough. Um, and she kind of knocked him down a peg or two, you know, in her interview saying, you know, are you implying that being a men's manager would be better? But, mm -hmm. you know, she was, she was diplomatic about it. 
But it, it, as um, you know, Dwayne said earlier about you know what an inspiration she is, and and you know that what she's done for women's football and how much she's an advocate for it and everything she tries to bring, which is you know promoting equality and and you know pay and like I say, she is phenomenal and yeah she you know Wimbledon isn't a diss to her but at the same time she she could be destined for bigger things you know eventually but she's not finished here yet and you know Champions League where's her heart is at so that we've won all the trophies that are available and she won't leave until the job is done. Yeah I suppose the, the thing is, it, it's going to be a huge deal when a woman manages a men's football team just because of how the media industry runs in this country and, you know, inherent sexism that is apparent in everyday life. Um, you know, originally Hope Powell, when she was England manager, was always touted to take jobs and never did. Do you think if the offer came from the right club, and this is open to anyone that wants to answer it, perhaps, you know, a bit higher up than Ashley Wimbledon, maybe even, you know, the Chelsea men's team, that there would be serious consideration from her to take that, or is she focused on the success she's got in the women's game? Um, well, concerning the points you just finished making, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel personally, if interest came from a better club, like probably even the Chelsea male team, I actually feel she would still stick with Chelsea women, because there was one of our interviews where she said she has an unfinished business in Chelsea, which means there are still a lot of things she actually wants to do at the meantime before she leaves Chelsea. So I still feel if offer came from a bigger club, she would have actually turned it down because obviously she wants to win the Champions League and she hasn't won that. So these are some of the things, some of the plans she actually have for Chelsea, which she hasn't yet achieved. So I actually feel even if bigger offer came, she would have still stayed with Chelsea women. I think, I think, Dean, as well, it's, it's, uh, it depends on her ambition and what her goals are, because I think she, she said when she was linked to the Wimbledon job, you know, without being disrespectful in my everyday job at the moment or my previous jobs, you know, I've worked with World Cup winners, I've worked with Olympic gold medalists, you know, I'm, I'm at the top of the game, the women's game, you know, that is a step down. Uh, with, that, with, all, with, all, with all due respect, that is a step down going down to that men's division where she'll be working with lesser players compared to, to, to the top players she'll be working with in the women's game. So it all depends on her ambition, if she's got ambitions to work in the men's game or, as you say, you judge it on the job. Now, if she was, for example, off of the men's job, then that is massive. Uh, but the Wimbledon job compared to the Chelsea women's job is, I don't think there's much comparison. It's a bit like being a heart surgeon and then moving countries and being offered to you know, street cleaner, in my opinion. You know, <laughs> part-time decorators from World Cup winners. There's no comparison, really. Dane, <laughs> um, I know you follow the men's team as I do. I've just seen it. Yeah, we can talk about Emma for another couple of hours if you want. I don't mind. <laughs> Instead of watching that. Yeah, what would, your, what would your reaction be if you know the club did say... You know, we want Emma to take over as the men's team because she does have the philosophy of winning football. She plays to the opponent that we've enjoyed in the men's team over the years. She would be a fit, you know, I think culture-wise, definitely. Yeah, uh, I a little bit biased, you know. I lost my, my dad really young, so I was brought up, you know, by my mum, uh, sister, nan, auntie, strong women around me, so I'm a little bit biased to women. So it, there'd be no sexism involved, I'd probably say. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer a woman in charge uh, like I would of our country. But uh, I, I I would just love to see it because, you know, we can all we can all speculate and we can all guess. And, and But, you know, we won't know until she... Or, or any other a female manager take, takes on a, a, you know, a job within men's football. It'd be lovely to see. She, she, she's got all the, all the traits, all the characteristics. You know, I'm sure she's an ambitious woman. You know, she's won everything in the game apart from the Champions League. Uh, it, it's hard because selfishly, you, you know, and as I say with the ladies who go and, who go and watch them regularly, you won't want to 
uh, her to go. You know, selfishly, I'd like her to, to stay Chelsea manager. But there's a little side of me. I wouldn't mind her seeing, seeing her be the England manager. I wouldn't mind her having another crack at, at, the, at the women's game in America. But selfishly, like, like, like everyone else who, who goes down to King's Meadow, you'd, you'd want her to stay there for, for her whole career. But answering the question, yeah, I think she. I think I'd like to see her try uh, in the men's game, and I, I would be confident that she would do well. Yeah, I think she's got everything that knows more about football. Well, she's forgotten more about football than I know, uh, which probably isn't a lot. But you know, she's got every, all the tactical awareness. She knows how to handle big players. She loves Chelsea, doesn't she? That's the thing. Her love for Chelsea is so clear. And she even she does talk about the men's game quite a lot and you know and how helpful the club have been in recent years regarding the, the women's football. You know, she will always praise the club. So, you know, you, you couldn't get anyone better, uh, apart from obviously having Frank back, but you know, who knows the club inside and loves the club and's got a feeling for Chelsea. Yeah, and I suppose if someone's gonna, you know, break boundaries and, and be the first pioneer to sort of step across, so to speak. Um, you know, I'd like it to be someone of Emma's stature. That's the thing, though, Dean. Why not? Why not? Why not give her a chance? Or, or can we just keep on giving a job to uh, Sam Allardyce or or Steve Bruce or these other managers who just regularly, you know, uh, you know, they're passengers. But you know, they're stealing their living. They don't do much. Why not? We can give it to some new people. You know, some new blood, and let's see. We'll be able to answer all these questions, won't we? Yeah, I feel change is coming in. You know, you know, quality in the sports, but you know, men's football still needs to be dragged forward a few years, in my opinion, before we see that. There's enough men in the women's football managing, so... Yeah, there's lots of stories about coaches just being given women's teams. A Man City coach was just the academy coach, given world-class players to work with, no questions asked. You know, why shouldn't that be the same uh, the other way around, so to speak? Um, we spoke a bit about Emma's quotes regarding that um, AS Wilmington job and one of my favourite Emma Hayes quotes of all times is, can they afford you? Absolutely not. Um, has anyone got any favourite quotes of Emma's over the years that they want to share? She's quite um, sharp-tongued and, and quick-witted. With the I've got one, but I'll go last because it's a long one. It was so long I had to print it up. <laughs> I've got one. When we went out in France, when we was out in France, I remember her saying, obviously we lost both of our pre-season games. And I think we lost them both 5-0 or 5-1. And I remember her saying on the team coach, our season doesn't start now. Our season starts on the 9th of September, whenever it was. And she, she was basically saying, obviously, pre-season doesn't really matter. All she is focusing on is the start of the season. Yes, but that's a good one to showcase, you know, her instilling in her players, you know, hard work now, pay benefits when the season starts. Who wants to jump in ahead of Dane? I can't remember any off the top of my head. She said so many. See, I remember this one because there was a couple of uh, fruity words in there. So I always remembered she said it a couple of years ago. So I had to Google it and I, I got the whole transcript and it is, uh, yeah, it is very inspiring, but very, very Emma, you can imagine. Yeah, and then we jump straight to, to Dane. All right, okay. So yeah. she said this on, on the April the 21st, two years ago, 2019, and it was before the Champions League first leg semi-final against Lyon. And uh, she said, and I quote, everyone who works with me on the technical side knows that I work to have no regrets. I'm prepared to change things. I'm not stubborn about tactics. Formations are merely effing numbers. It's all about space and who is hurting us where. That's how I view the game. I've been in that situation enough times to go, I'm not going to let us lose. We can't keep the ball. We're horrendous in possession. I can't do anything about that, but I can slow them down somehow. These are the hard things about managing football matches. We get too much credit when it goes well. People think this is half time. It's like a magical moment. Oh, the coach must have done something. I think it's utter nonsense. If you're getting pummeled by a team, more often than not, you just go, am I allowed to swear? Uh, you're allowed to go, shit, we're getting And then suddenly, we're completely in control. It's the opposite. All you do is shorten the gap. We're getting murdered less. Stay in the game. 
It was like we were climbing anti-gravity paint in that game. I was just put the fire out, put the fire out. That's the truth of it. I think if any coach tells you otherwise, they're bollocking you. They're bullshitting you as well. Sometimes you don't want to make a decision. There are many times you go, F it, I'm doing this, get over here, to try and stimulate performance, stimulate response. I think I've done it a lot in the Champions League in this campaign, the 2019 campaign. What I will say about my team is we always get an away goal. We have in Europe, we also do need a lot of chances. We're not playing the Harlem Globetrotters on Sunday. Every player arguably is the best in the world. You can either sit there and shit yourself or you face it and go for it. That's what she said a couple of years ago. <laughs> Jane, I know quite that, a few quotes in there. <laughs> yeah, Jane, I know that's an actual Emma Hayes quote, but that is it's just Emma, isn't it? <laughs> it <laughs> is. It, it's, yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. You can just yeah, you can hear her saying. Every, when I was reading it, I could I could hear her saying it, and it, again, it, it puts hairs up in your arms. It was a very good impression, actually, Jane. It sounded just like her when you were saying it. It's all in her voice. <laughs> I want to move, but before we sort of end, I want to move back to some more sort of personal stories. I know you shared some already, everyone, but is there any more sort of personal stories with Emma that you sort of would like to share with the podcast and the listeners? I've not got like a personal one to myself, but I remember in, was it 2018 when she was pregnant with her son? And obviously we won the FA Cup final that year. And obviously, unfortunately, she lost. She was due twins and she lost one of them. But like the motivation she had to like, obviously, she kept it from the players that obviously she'd lost one. And they obviously won that FA Cup final and then they went on to win the league. And to keep that to herself whilst like the whole club was going like had this big celebrations to have. I think she just did so well to keep like to keep motivated and just to keep the team going and just not not like put the team down because of like the way she was feeling. Mm. She's very good at dividing herself, isn't she? From her personal to her manager role. Yeah, incredibly like selfless act to, to do that and to keep, you know, the team first and, and herself second, which I suppose she's done for long periods over the years. Um, anyone else want to share any, any similar stories or any personal stories they've got? Sorry, go back to her. That's very similar to Mourinho, old Mourinho, when he would put the team massively first and not, he would chuck himself under the bus to protect the team. Uh, obviously not nowadays Mourinho, but there is elements of, of obviously uh, the good of Mourinho in her then. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I think there's lots of aspects that you can, you can draw. Um, oh, I have just thought of one. Sorry, Dean. I just, obviously it was the same thing, which was pre-season, but I forgot to mention you know, the, the venue got changed for a uh, private um, game, um, you know, for training, sorry. And um, Emma had invited us as we'd gone over for pre-season to go and it got changed at the last minute and we, we all had to get off the bus that we were on and get taxis um, to the venue. And when we got there, Emma had bought us a crate of beer, <laughs> um, you know, because we were going. I mean, and that just shows exactly, you know, who she is. You know, she came out, personally gave it to us and then got on with the training. Um, <laughs> and, and then obviously, as we said earlier, later on, we ended up on the team bus. So, but it just shows, you know, the type of person she is and, and you know, like I say, the girl next door, which is what I like about her so much because she's so down to earth. But yeah, football is her life and Chelsea is her life and she puts everything, you know, above, you know, her own personal business. Yeah, I think that's a, a nice story um, to end on. The last thing I want to sort of do is us, for us all to send a message. If you could send a message to Emma, sort of what would it be? Um, I'll go around on how you are on my view on the camera. So um Sorry, Kerry, but you're going to be first on this. Um, the rest, you've got a little bit more time to think. Um, a message for Emma, Kerry, what would it be? Just um, thanks for everything that you've done, because it wasn't for her, we wouldn't. Um, if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be where we are now. Jane, sorry, you're next. Am I next? Oh, yeah. I suppose again, you know, I'd like to thank her for all she's done for Chelsea and the women's game in general. You know, she, 
she's always comes across as very inspirational woman you know she's made so many of her fans proud you know no one ever has a bad word to say about her the thing is she's still so young isn't she within managing coaching you know that sort of game I suppose in another world as I said earlier I'd like to see her have a crack at the England job and maybe have another crack in America but selfishly yeah I'd like her to spend the rest of her career at Chelsea you know she comes across amazingly well I can see how individually you would succeed under her because she's a clear leader and someone you know you could see yourself working under you know someone who, who a player could see could take their game on to another level uh I you know I wish we could have Emma Cam on on some games because I would uh you know quite happily <laughs> sit and watch it for an hour and a half you know and just hear uh, how she interacts with with the coaches, interacts with the players. Uh, you know, some of that spite in her, in her voice and things is not going our way. But in general, yeah, I think she's she's amazing. Uh, she's at the top of her game, and long may it continue for her and for Chelsea. Yeah, like the NFL mic'd up they do with some players. Mm, That'd be yeah. a little one. It might be bleeped out of quite a lot with her though. Yeah, eighteen plus only. Um, <laughs> David, you're next on my screen so um, your message to Emma yeah my message will be similar to what M. said she has done a lot just encourage her to keep on doing whatever she's doing from 2012 to 2021 about nine years ago lots of trophies transformed us from where we were from our low states and now we are serial winners we're one of the best probably one of the top five clubs in the world in Europe presently so she just keep on the good work, whatever she's doing. She should just, she should just keep it up, and I'll give her my support as, as always. Yeah. Uh, so, your message to um to Emma? Um, I think she's doing a fantastic job. That um, I'm I'm just amazed at her her tactics and. I, I, in comparison with any other manager that you've come across, she's she's manager of the year. There's no doubt about it. Um, in in my book, uh, the way the way she presents herself, her players, her staff, the fact that she's she never leaves anybody out. If she's praising everybody, she's praising everybody, even us, which is I think amazing, really. So yeah. Yeah. Um... Louise? Um, if I could say anything to Emma, what would I say? Don't change. Keep elevating the game. Keep elevating the players that you coach and, and carry on being the special person that she is because she is exceptional. You know, I don't think I've ever, and I've been following football a long time. That's given away my age, but I have been following football a long time. You know, you know, I remember watching Faye White when I was younger and thinking, you know, wow. And, you know, she's come in and, and the game's changed so much in the last couple of years, but she's gone with it. And, you know, she is that standard. That's, that's what all managers should be aspiring to be and promoting the game to be is just the way Emma is doing it. And I hope, like, you know, Dane said that, you know, England, you know, maybe America, but definitely a, a men's game. Why, why can't she be Chelsea manager, the men's manager? You know, she's got every quality that a manager should have. And, and yeah, I hope to see that in the future. I want, I'd like to see the change. Um, and, yeah, I wish her all the best. And, yeah, keep being, keep being you. Keep being Emma. That's a good message. Um, Jane? Um, I think my message would be just like to thank her for everything she's done and helped us get to where we are today really from when she took over to what she's achieved in the years is just brilliant and we've got so much more still to achieve and what about you Dean? I've got a tough act to follow haven't I but it's you know, my show so I'm going last <laughs> um, I'd like to thank Emma for keeping this club on the right side of history um, with the way that she commands the team the way her players act under her leadership uh, you know success is is a bonus in football you know if you enjoy watching the team if you enjoy interacting with the team if you enjoy your fellow supporters and I think you know a huge part of my enjoyment of following the women's team is the interactions online 
with people coming on the show talking about their love for the team. I think it all stems from Renata Hayes. And not only has she built the club to where it is, she, I think she's also set it up to continue building after she she leaves. If she does leave, you know, within whenever that is, the club will be set for life. You'd like to think, as you said in the men's game, you know. I'd love her to manage Chelsea because she's shown that she can take a team, build it up to the highest level and maintain it as well. And that's something that the club's always looked for and, and maybe the answer has always been under their nose and they've just never looked. Um, so hopefully, you know, change comes one day. Um, and that, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for for the Emma Hayes special. Uh, big thanks to Kate and Rob who joined us who had to leave. Um, we've got less than a minute, so I'm just going to have to say thank you on your behalf. Um, Kerry, Dane, Sonia, Jane, Louise and, and David, thank you for joining. Thank you for sharing your memories and your stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, we might be back next week. We might not be. I've not made any plans. Um, there is no game, but we'll see. Maybe we'll surprise you. Um, <laughs> that's all we've got time for. So until next time, Chelsea fans from Kings Bennett to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high. die wir lieben. Es ist nicht alles gay, was glänzt. Oder doch? Das klären wir jetzt in Busenfreundin, der Podcast. Hey Leute, mein Name ist Ricarda. Ich bin Comedy-Autorin und die Stimme des LGBTIQ-Podcasts Busenfreundin. Und ich treffe jede Woche spannende Menschen und spreche mit ihnen über alles, was die queere Szene bewegt. Bei Busenfreundin gibt es Unterhaltung gepaart mit Haltung. Oft. Also nicht immer. Denn manchmal schweife ich auch ab, zum Beispiel mit Leuten wie Riccardo Simonetti, Sarah Kuttner und vielen, vielen mehr. Also schaltet jetzt ein zu Busenfreundin, eurem Lieblings-LGBTIQ-Infotainment-Podcast. Bei Acast finden die besten Podcasts aus aller Welt ein Zuhause. Abonniere diese Show oder finde weitere spannende Podcasts bei Acast oder wo immer du Podcasts hörst.